Foster is the biggest troll of all time. Listen, so in case so in case you missed it, Arian Foster was on a podcast that I'd never heard of. I, I had no idea I'd who they never were. Never heard of it. And he said, uh, when being interviewed, he he was asked, the NFL's rigged, right? And he told the guy interviewing him, yes, we are handed our script on how the season is supposed to go day one of camp. You play this this team this week. You're going to lose by 10. Next week, you're going to fumble the ball and have a shit game. Next week, you're going to score three touchdowns. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. That's how the script is supposed to play out. If you do all that perfectly, just follow the script. Just follow the script. That's all you got to do. I will say this. Number one, he was on a no-name podcast for a reason. That was clickbait. <laughs> Purely. That's all that was. Yeah. I want to find the name of the podcast. I want to at least do the due diligence on that one. Yeah. That is one thing we did not do the due diligence on. Now, I will say, their podcast is bigger than ours now at this point. Oh, 100%. Because they had somebody go on there and say, okay, look, the NFL scripted, we get scripts day one. Okay. That is what it is. Macro dosing podcast. Yeah, I had never heard of it. I'm trying to click on their thing. Okay, so Arian Foster is one of the main guys on the podcast. Huh. Arian Foster and PFT explore conspiracies, conundrums, and the dark corners of the deep web. There you go. That just sounds like a podcast for crackheads. It does. They got almost 32,000 followers. Good for them. And, and, and I'm sure it was all from Arian Foster just saying the NFL is rigged. Oh, I'm sure. Now, again, the NFL probably has, a, has an agenda that it wants to push. It has, its, it has its premier players. They want to get the most exposure. That's why you saw the Denver Broncos playing in over half of their games on primetime. Because who doesn't want to see the great Russell Wilson play for his new team that's a quarterback away from winning a Super Bowl? But in actuality, they got worse with him. Yeah, instead we got Matt Ryan and the Jonathan Taylorless Colts versus the Broncos without Javante Williams. Right. And a terrible Broncos offense. Right. That was just a horrendous game to try to watch. Right. So, the NFL, def- NFL definitely does have their own agenda that they do push. That, I will argue that until the day I die. They have their own agenda. They're, and there's nothing wrong with that. Just like, just, like every, just like every sport, every sport knows their moneymaker. Oh, yeah. Every sport does. Now, there's a rumor coming out that the MLB was using juiced balls. Yeah, I did see that. So, so Aaron Judge could break his record. There's a rumor about that. Is it true? Who knows? I'm sure they wanted to see the record get broken. It's good. Well, it's good for TV. It's great for TV. It's great for business. It's great for business. I get that. But do you know how difficult it is to rig a sport? Baseball would be easier than most. Right, because you could just like softball pitches right down the middle all fucking game long, and boom, you're good. Yeah. 
you look at you look at the dude pitching, you know, and you know managers have uh, meetings with the umpires out before the game, whatever. And you know that there's like league officials and throughout, you know, whatever. And like, hey, you're gonna give him fucking meatballs, right? Like, and then you could you could juice the baseballs easier. What are you gonna do to a football that's gonna affect a football game? Deflate it, right? <laughs> but like, I feel like that'd be kind of no- that'd be more noticeable than juicing a baseball. Well, it was. <laughs> right. Um, so, like, baseball would be easier to rig than, like, other sports. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the NFL, guys, it's not rigged. We talk, I think we talked about it on Tuesday, if not last Friday. We did, yeah. It's, it's not rigged. I like to joke about it. Arian Foster is trolling you. That's why you saw all the NFL players say, oh, like, yeah, you should have seen my face when I, got, when I saw this in my script. Marlon Humphrey saying, oh, yeah, you should have seen my face when I saw that I was giving up 200 yards to Jamar Chase. Right. Um, you know, like, oh. Like, like everybody's seen the memes of Tom Brady sitting there in the fucking office chair smiling. And the and caption saying, Tom Brady, when he sees how the, how the season's supposed to end against the Falcons. Right. Seeing the halftime script of the Super Bowl. Right. The, the Tyrese meme with the, with the Cowboys getting the same script for the 28th season in a row. Right. That's why there's so many jokes about it. It was a joke. He was trolling everybody. He won. He did it. There was a lot of people that actually believe that it's rigged. Yeah. I don't know why some of you guys are so gullible and fall and bought that, but he was he was kidding. I will say this. Our listeners are not that gullible. No, not our listeners. No, our our listeners have some sense about them. I know none of you actually thought that people were um that people did actually rig the NFL. If you did, you gotta like call me. Like I gotta like I gotta talk. I gotta talk you off the ledge. <laughs> but no, the NF- the NFL is not rigged by any stretch of the imagination. Um, don't don't think that it is. Just because one performer, all pro running back, said that it is, doesn't mean that it is. Now Tom Brady came out and said it. Tom Brady came out and said as soon as I got drafted, they handed me my script. Okay, I might believe that one. Said you got seven. Said you'll get seven. Yep, said you'll get seven Super Bowls. You'll break so many fucking records, and you'll be labeled as the greatest player of all time. Oh, and you'll play with this big fucking caveman that we won't draft until 10 years after you, and you'll throw the most touchdowns to him. Right. Instead of, you know, this guy on a podcast that its name has to do with taking drugs. What? Arian Foster, macro dosing. Oh. Has to deal with taking drugs. Yeah, you lost me there. Like, microdosing is like you take a little bit. Yeah. Well, no, I get that, but so now, they're, they're, now, now, now that you mentioned it, yeah, like, reeled me back in, but I was lost at first. We got a guy on a podcast whose name is about drugs telling you the NFL's rigged, and you like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I knew it. You're like, I knew it. I knew it was rigged. I knew it all along. No. It is not rigged. It is not rigged by any stretch of the imagination. Because I mean, I mean, it was Tuesday, but this is. I mean, do you really think the biggest brand in sports, the Dallas Cowboys, if it was rigged, shouldn't they be winning every Super Bowl every year, or like in conference championships? Exactly at the bare minimum. At the, at the bare minimum, no, they're a mediocre franchise. They're usually one and done. Usually, if they even make the playoffs, they won one this year against Tom Brady. On what everybody believed was his last season. Right. Don't you think they want to write Tom Brady off? In a, in a better way? After a Super Bowl? 
Like, come on. Instead of getting railed by the Cowboys at home. Now, I mean, the, I mean, again, the NFL probably does pay to have certain games go in their favor. Yeah. I would imagine they do to an extent. Eh. That gets tricky because then once you once you say that you kind of do fall into the line of like rigging games. Like they have they have storylines and they have uh like brands that they want to like. The NFL is not scripted. It's not scripted. No. Is it a do, does the NFL want certain outcomes to happen? But and, is it biased? Yes. Oh, completely. Right, like, but we were talking about it, like, every sports media, like, has an agenda of, like, they want to build up the brand of this person, or they want to knock down the brand of this person. We've seen it done with Lamar Jackson, we've seen it done with uh, Tony Tony Romo building up, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes, and, uh, like, Josh Allen. Um, like, you see, you see their, ban- their brands just get built up, built up, built up. You see Aaron Rodgers, you know, the media kind of taking everything he had with his whole COVID vaccine shit and trying to, like, break his brand down. Um, you know, the Cowboys, they're the most talked about team in sports history ever. Once again, because it's the biggest brand, it helps sells. Yeah. So, like, I mean, it even comes down to, like, in the booth. I mean, you have dudes like Tony Romo just completely like coddling operating off bias. Yeah, operating off bias and completely coddling players like Patrick Mahomes and uh you know the, I mean there there's and they're both on Fox, they're both on CBS, uh NBC, Amazon, whatever. They they all do it. They all have their favorites and bias that they're building up. I mean, they're they're much rather going to build up the brand of Trevor Lawrence versus Mac Jones. Right. Why would you not? It sells better. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, we literally saw uh, Patrick Mahomes throw the ball into the ground. Yeah. And they were like, what a great throw. Yeah, what a great throw by Patrick Mahomes. And then earlier in the game, Trevor Lawrence throws a bomb that gets, that hits his receiver in the hands and the receiver doesn't catch it. You just can't overthrow passes like that in the playoffs. Right. Right. So we're going to we're going to break down Trevor Lawrence. We're going to build up Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes didn't see the defender sliding over and he did it the last second and just threw it right into the ground. They're like, "Oh, what a great throw." Right. What a great throw. He didn't see him and that's okay because he made the right decision and just spiked it at his toenails. Right. It's like, "Wait, what?" Right. If any other quarterback does that, they're like, "What the fuck was he thinking?" Right. Like, what the actual fuck? So like, like why is though, why is he throwing her right there? He had the he he had his third option wide open on the other side of the fucking field. If he just turned his head and looked, yeah. If he just you know if he didn't avoid that pressure right there coming at his face, he would have scored a touchdown. If he just stood in the pocket and and threw the ball sixty five yards in the air on a on a dot. If he just handed it off to the running back and the running back broke eleven tackles, he would have he would have scored. If if. Literally, he could have handed the ball to the running back, and if no, if no defender was on the field, he would have scored on that play. He'd have had him. That's kind of like that. Like that's how like the whole sports media handles handles topics like. And it's like in this. the booth too. Like it's, it's. Oh my god! It's in the booth. It's in the booth for games. I think the only person that doesn't do it is Greg Olson. 
I love Greg Olson calling games. I mean, he's uh, like it really pisses me off that the Ravens like don't get caught on Fox very often, and when they do, it's always fucking Iron Eagle. Yeah, well, I think it's because uh, a CBS has an affiliation with, with the, the AFC, AFC, and Fox has an affiliation with the with with the uh, NFC. With the NFC, right? Right. But I would like I would I really wish Greg Olson would call more Ravens games. Well, he's worried about him losing his spot to Tom Brady now. He's about to, which I feel bad for him because Greg Olson's earned it. Oh, oh, he, oh, he definitely has. If I'm if I'm Greg Olson, I think I'm leaving Fox. I'm gonna go work for someone else. Maybe put him on put him on ESPN. Maybe Amazon. He can call the Amazon games. There's an A football with um, Al Michaels. Yeah, that wouldn't be too bad. I could get behind Al Michaels and uh, Greg Olson. It makes more sense to Kirk Herbstreet. I mean, Kirk Herbstreet, like, it, it, it kind of makes sense because these are guys that he's seen since they were in college. For, for sure, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it, it kind of is a little bit different. Um, or let... Um, Bring back Joe Tessitore. Christ, don't do that. Joe Tessitore and Greg Olson? Come on, dude. That'd be a fire combo. No, don't do that because that Burger McFarlane will be sniffing his ass around. We, we don't even have to talk about Booger. You brought him up. Joe Des- Tessator and Greg Olson would be a fire combination in the booth, and you know it. But see, the thing is, like, I can't take Joe Tessator seriously because of all of... Holy moly. Like, come on, guy. Him and Rob Riggle. Right. Like, if they had somebody on there that was a little bit more credible than Rob Riggle... Like, I... Dude, but that show is funny. It is funny, and that's, and that's the only reason why Rob Riggle is credible on that show. But, like, it's a show about mini-golf. Okay. Entertaining. I get it. But I feel like you could have had, like, a different personality on there. Like, imagine this. Joe Tessitore, Phil Mickelson. Oh, it'd been, it would have been hysterical. Absolutely. Because Phil Mickelson would have, would have, like, would have made golfing references instead of just Rob Regal just yelling, like, randomness. That has nothing to do with anything. Joe Tessitore, Bubba Watson. I would say Phil. Phil is a little like I've seen Phil's personality. Yeah, he does have some character to him. Yeah, Phil definitely. You couldn't put Tiger on there. He would take it way too seriously. Yeah, I don't like. I haven't seen enough of Bubba in order to make a, in order to make an opinion either way. But I've seen enough of Phil. I know what you can do with Phil. And it, it like like th- that would he, they would crush it. They really would. They would. You know where you know who would be a really really good running mate for Greg Olson though. At this point now. Who? Jim Nance. Jim Nance would. Yeah. So this is all this is all kind of circling back around to a report that came out late last night. Um, apparently last NFL last offseason, CBS staged a quote intervention for Tony Romo. Um I saw this but didn't read into it, so I'm I'm really really <laughs> relying on you here. Yeah, so so I read I read into it a little bit to see exactly what was going on. I was I was on timed breaks when I was doing this, so I didn't get to see a whole lot of information on this. But I saw that they've done that it could have been stemming from two different inc- incidences or two different things that are going on. One is a little bit more likely than the other one because one you can actually track track how that's trended. Um one thing that I saw that they did an intervention for, this this was according to people on Twitter. I'm not really reading too far into this one, but they're saying that apparently Tony Romo has a drinking problem. I Again, I've heard nothing about it. I don't know if it's true, 
Tony Romo is Tony Romo does a lot of commercials for alcohol. That I will say, uh, like he's the spokesperson for Corona, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not sitting here trying to miss anybody that Tony Romo has a drinking problem, but that was one thing that I did see. True, not true. I don't know. Um, but really, the main thing that they were really looking into was his lack of preparedness when getting ready for NFL games. If everybody remembers the first year that Tony Romo was in the booth, ASU championship game, he called it play for play. Yeah, like he saw, like I, I do know that, like he saw teams like lined up in this formation and he literally said, yeah, they're going to motion this guy here. It's going to be a, it's going to be a counter to the left or they're going to do like, they're going to have this guy run a post. They're going to, and like, he literally like, he told you like almost like it was scripted. Like he was reading it to you. Right. Now, I think a lot of that just comes from Tony Romo being a being an NFL quarterback for so long. He's watched so much game film. He probably he probably does know exactly what is going on every single play. That's fine. It's one thing to say it once. Like, based on this formation, they like to go here with the ball. Expect expect so and so to run this. Expect so and so to do this. But he did it for an entire drive. When the when Patriots, when it was the Patriots at the time, good grief, I almost caught myself. When the Patriots received the ball in that last AFC Championship game, or it was the Chiefs, it was one of the two. But he was, but Tony Romo was saying, "Okay, look on this on this play, they're lining up just like this. Expect so and so to run this route. He's going to be wide open right here. This is exactly where the ball is going, and he would draw it out." On the screen before the before the play even started, and it would happen. Okay, no problem. And then he did it again and 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 again. The whole thing about football that leaves us on the edge of our seat is the unpredictability. Yeah, you don't know what's going to happen if there's going to be a sack, where the ball's going. You have no clue at all. It could be a check down and you lose three yards. It could be a fifty yard fucking bomb. It could be a pick six going in the other direction. A fan could run on the field and catch the ball instead of your player. You have no clue. That's just the NFL. That's yep. that that's the beauty of the game, is the unpredictability Precisely. And, and how fast things can change. But when you have someone who is telling you, like, look, this is happening right here. Watch out for this. He's gonna get he's gonna go right here out of bounds. It's gonna be an eight yard gain. And it happens, you're like, well, what the fuck am I watching now? Right. I don't even have to watch it. Right, so CBS t- had a problem with that. They said that they they said to Tony Romo after that after that first season, they're like, "Look, we think he did a fabulous job," which a lot of people think a lot of people thought he did a great job his first year as an announcer. But they're like, this whole thing where you're predicting everything, we can't have you doing that. Yeah, his point, his role in the booth is to be the former player. To provide insight. Right. And to, to like, you know, tell you. Like, the whole, like, they have, like, um, Gene Steratore and, and, and all those guys, um, Dean Blandino. Like, they have all those dudes in the booth. It's like, hey, you're a former referee. What do you see here? Yeah, what what's did, your call? What did you see here? What would have been your decision? What was your take on this? And explain it. That's your job, Tony Romo. It's like, hey, what did you see here? Explain it from your perspective as a former NFL quarterback. Right, and people people are like, okay, look, t- like Tony Romo really. Is, my, you, the way you were looking at, it, I was like, oh god, is that about to fall? But I know it's empty. Now you're straight. Um, 
and people and people people are saying Tony Romo made the game easy to understand for me. People 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 that don't get football but enjoy watching the sport, they're a fan of the game. I have people in my I have people in my family who are the exact same way. They enjoy watching the game, but they're not really hip to the whole the lingo, what everything means, how it all works. Like they don't see the game in a way that for example, you and I do. You and I you and I see the game and we're like, okay, look, they're in this cover they were in this coverage. Yeah, this makes sense of how this actually happened. Yeah, they're in a cover three nickel defense, and you know, I understand that they're gonna be attacking the seams of the defense because that's the open part of the cover three defense. Right. Like when like when they when they show the replay, we see how the defense lines up, we see how they scored on a sixty yard bomb. Yeah. We get it, we see it. Uh-huh. But other people other people don't see it, and that's where that's where Tony Remo is a luxury to people. Right. He'll break it down. He'll say, look, this is how this is how the defense is lining up. This is probably what they're going to run. Expect the ball to go about here. Boom. Yeah, if, if I tell somebody in layman's terms, hey, they're running a cover three nickel defense. I need you to attack the seams. They're going to look at me and be like, what did you just say to me? Yeah, and Tony, Tony, Tony Romo is dumbing it down for the American public so they understand, like, look, the defense is this. NFL football for dummies. They're going to throw the ball here. Expect this result. Okay, cool. Got it. NFL football for dummies. Thank you, Tony Romo. But now it's getting to a point where he's not really doing his due diligence heading into the games. I didn't I didn't really listen to a whole lot of Tony Romo because I would see the games that he was calling and I wouldn't watch. And normally they were pretty marquee matchups. Yeah. And I would choose not to watch it because I did not want to hear him talk that much. But there were mul- there were a lot of times where one example I go to. This was um the Buffalo Bills versus the Vikings earlier in the season. Um I don't know the exact scenario, but it was it was a shot to the end zone to Josh Allen or from Josh Allen to Diggs. And the ball ball was on a rope, frozen rope. Um but Diggs caught it out of bounds. Two feet on the chalk. Tony Romo's like, oh, Jim, that was a perfect throw. Perfect throw. A little outside. That was a perfect throw. I do remember hearing that, yeah. Like, okay, Tony, which one was it? Was it a perfect throw or was it a little outside? Because you can't have it both ways, okay? You can't, be, you can't be drunk enough to still drive. That makes no fucking sense, okay? You can't, ha- you can't have it both ways. And, I mean, you'll, you'll hear what Tony Romo's saying, and you're like, oh, man, Jim, he's going to go right here, and it's going to... Ah, mm. Nope, didn't work out that way. Like, I could have fucking told you that, Tony Romo. Yeah. Like at at this point, it, it's it's becoming a it's becoming a problem that he's not really doing so much homework on the game. He's just like, oh yeah, oh if you would have gone here, would have worked. No shit. Yeah. He's re- he's re he's reacting. He's not doing his homework and saying and doing anything to explain. Explain it to the game. He now, now he's he's announcing football for idiots. It's not like it's not like a football for dummies via Tony Romo. He's announcing it for idiots. Yeah, for people who don't understand the game, they're like, "Oh man, it really would have worked if you went here instead." No shit. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I don't. Th- yeah, and I don't think that's what CBS is bringing him in to do. Like they have Jim Nance to be the primary talker. Like exactly. Jim, it's Jim Nance's job to call the game. Right. It's Tony Romo's job to provide the insight and fill in the blanks like that's what like 
that was John Madden's biggest part. Like that's what he struggled with the most when he was coming from coaching to commentating and calling games is he struggled to have that that back and forth dialogue where he just kind of filled in the blanks and it's his role to provide the insight, not be the main character and be the primary talker. That's why you always have two guys in the booth. One guy actually calls the game and then you have somebody who's a former pro, a former coach. They can actually tell you like, hey, this is how this is how we got to this result. This is about what things look like. This is you know based on conversations that I had with people throughout the week. This is something that they expected to happen. And now it's 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 a, it's kind of a thing where Tony Romo is not really doing that. He's he's gaslighting those main stars. He's doing the NFL's agenda of making those big time players even bigger. So in a sense, he is really doing a great service to the NFL. But now his commentating has become so intolerable that an avid NFL fan, I do not want to hear Tony Romo games. And another problem that arises from it as well is they seem to have this great banter back and forth. Jim Nance, Tony Romo. They always seem to have this great banter. But Jim Nance hasn't really done anything to help the advancement of Tony Romo's career. He's just kind of letting Tony do what Tony wants to do, and he's the one who's kind of benefiting from it all. Because now it seems like, okay, well, Tony Romo's the issue, but Jim Nance is, everybody's always said, every, pe- people have said in interviews, Jim Nance has always been about Jim Nance. Always. Yeah. Have you noticed that during, that Fox, okay, whenever they are presenting trophies, who's normally on the, who's normally on the field giving out the trophy? Terry Bradshaw. Yeah. Who does it for CBS? Jim Nance. He runs down from the fucking booth to be the first one there to talk to the players. Yep. Like, Jim Nance, this isn't your moment. Okay, let somebody else do this. You never saw Troy Aikman or um, Joe Buck do that for the NFL. You never saw that. No. I think I think I, I legitimately I think CBS has a very big very big problem on their hands because Tony Romo is now intolerable. T- Tony Romo almost said a racial slur on national television. It did sound like there was about to be a racial slur. He almost said a racial slur on national television. So, and, and it was so close that another very prominent member of not just the NFL community, but a for, like a former player, a Hall of Famer, one of the most respected players, most respected people in the sports media itself. Shannon Sharp went as far to call out Tony Romo on that. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, the first uh, the, the the letters that Tony Romo got out were N I. So use your imagination and figure out where it kind of was going from there. Uh, right, it, it didn't sound great. Right, and I mean, if 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 you listen to him calling the game and look at what was happening in context to what he was calling, it was it was a player who broke the tackle of three players in the defense. It was. Isaiah Pacheco breaking the tackle. Jermaine Pratt, two other guys. Yeah, breaking the tackle of three Bengals players. Who just so happened to be African-American. And, again, I mean, the letters N-I in correlation to black athletes. You can kind of fill in the blanks there. Yeah, he started it, stopped. 
and then went in another tangent. And then and then went another route. So it it does kind of leave like a little bit to the imagination of like where was that like, going? What were you actually trying to say? Yeah. Maybe that's not at all what he was trying to say. Maybe it wasn't. We don't know. You just couldn't have stopped at a worse place. Right. Maybe it was what he was going to say. I don't know. I'm not Tony Romo. I'm not in his brain, nor do I want to be. But even so, like, you know, th- that that's another point. Like, if you're just stopping and making random noises at that point, what are you actually doing? Nick. Ah. Oh. It sound, like, it sound like the kid from the Thornberries. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You, 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 sound like, you sound like that wild bachelor from the wild, from the wild Thornberries. And that's 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 one thing that that everybody has a has a huge problem with. They're all like, like Tony Romo provides no insight to the game at this point. Now, at first he provided way too fucking much. Yeah, find the middle ground, buddy. Way too much. But now at this point, like, okay, if you if you find if you do it way too much, year one, okay, dial it back, dial it back, no problem. But now he's. He's almost providing no insight whatsoever. So you go from one extreme to the next. That's two years. Okay, year three, let's find, let's find some middle ground here. But he hasn't. And now we're four years in, and now it's a problem. Yeah. Because now CBS has paid him way too much fucking money to, to say, okay, look, you're not working. Let's bump you down to a lesser role. I almost worry that Tom Brady's going to have the same issue if he gets into a booth. I don't know. I think, I think, I think Tom Brady is a little bit... Would is a little bit different. Tony Romo has always seemed like you see the way Tony Romo is. He always seems so egotistical. Just the way he carries himself, that grin that he always has whenever he's talking to people. He always seems like he is. He relishes being the center of attention. Well, I mean, he was the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys for how many years? So he kind of was the center of attention, right? He he relishes being the center of attention. I mean, if you look at a guy like Tom Brady. Tom Brady's all about Tom Brady. Not in a bad way, because you'll... I mean... I just so happened to click on an article on CBS about winners and losers following Tom Brady's retirement. Here on the side, it's... him yelling at teammates when shit goes wrong. Tom Brady's all about winning. Oh, yeah. He wants to win. It's all, all he has been. Tom Brady really has nothing to prove left at this point. I feel like Tony Romo still had something to prove. Yeah, I mean, he had a back injury. Dak Prescott took his job, and that was the end of it. Right, and then he doesn't. And then he doesn't play again because of the, because of that back injury. Now he's calling games. I almost feel like he still has something to prove. And now it's like, okay, well, I'm I'm kind of solidified in my spot. Fuck it. Well, like so, we were. Uh, I was watching the 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 Chiefs and Bengals game, and uh, Patrick Mahomes did something. And uh, TJ, TJ was texting me about it. He's like, dude, I can't stand Romo. He, like, he is all over Patrick Mahomes. That's all the media does is just, you know, deride Patrick Mahomes and all this stuff. I was like, dude, Tony Romo sounds like he's about to head down to the sideline trying to crawl into that jersey with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Tom Brady called Patrick Mahomes the Michael Jordan of football. Patrick Mahomes called Tom Brady that. Tony Romo called Patrick Mahomes. The Tom or the the Michael Jordan of football. Uh, that's wild. In the AFC Championship game. Ugh. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it. I think that's what I think that's what started the conversation. I think that's why TJ texted me. 
Yeah. I was like, dude, Tony Romo sounds like he wants to try to go snuggle into that jersey with Patrick Mahomes. He'd be like, hey, Patrick, let's go, let's go join in here with you, buddy. Let's go. Let's do it. I'm like, dude, this is just, this is weird, man. Like, you gotta like get off of it. Like, the, like there's a the, there's a very obvious line of, um, you know, hyping up a player. We've said for years that Patrick Mahomes is the golden child of the NFL. He is not not to his like it's not his fault. It's not. He's he's so uber talented that the NFL just want the NFL wants him to succeed. They do. There's got to be a face of the league. There has to be, and right now it's him. And it's not. It's not his fault. It's not his fault at all. He's he's mega talented. His team is ultra successful. He can do he can do th- he's doing things on the NFL field that nobody had ever seen before. Sidearm passes. Nobody's seen it. Sidearm passes. Launching it 80 yards in the air. Throwing no look passes. No look passes. He's doing all this shit that nobody's ever seen. Now you see it once a week. Ooh, and uh, now but, it's now now it's all played out at this point. But it, but it's all that was I mean, like it or not, it was all inspired by him. All of it was inspired by him. Well, I mean, Brett Favre was doing half this shit before. But Brett Favre's label was reckless. Exactly. Well, once again, not the face of the league. Right. He wasn't the face. He wasn't the face of the league. So of course they they need to they need to push that Patrick Mahomes agenda, and I understand that. Saying, say, like, a throw over a defender's shoulder, back shoulder, out of bounds, twenty five yard gain when it's third and nineteen. You put it right where the receiver can catch the ball, and that's it. Green light him, gas light him. I don't care. That's that's a great throw, no matter great, who you are. Great throw, no matter who you are. But if you're gonna do like a little five yard check down to evade the pass rush, and that person makes a great play, it's not on you. No. Oh, absolutely not. And that is one thing I will say about Patrick Mahomes. He never beats his own chest. He never does that. He does sometimes. I will say, when provoked. There's been a couple games where I've seen him counting touchdowns on his fingers. That's in-game arrogance. I give that a little bit of a pass. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean you, never, you never see him talking about himself as being the greatest thing to walk the fucking face of the earth that's ever touched the football. Right. You, you, ne- you never see him talking about that. Right. Everybody else always pushes that agenda for him. And, t- and Tony Romo is, one, is, the, is the one at the, at the forefront that does it all the time. You could, I mean, I've heard this argument over the past week or so. You could make the argument that Patrick Mahomes is the most talented quarterback that we've seen play the quarterback position. Like, Tom Brady is like the equivalent of, like, Bill Russell. Right? Very accomplished. Is a great player. Great at what he does and is very accomplished. Has a lot of the, the accolades. Kind of like bringing it back to what we talked about earlier. Yeah. But we anointed Michael Jordan the, the face and the best player in NBA history, even though he has far less hardware than Bill Russell. But we've already anointed him that. You can make an argument that... in the, I'm not saying that Patrick Mahomes is like Michael Jordan, but you can make an argument, it's the same argument, that Patrick Mahomes is the most talented quarterback, but maybe not the best quarterback. Well, I mean, that's, that's kind of a point that... Um... What was it? Dan Orlovsky made. Like you can make a ta- you can make an argument. Michael Jordan was the most talented player. Was I think LeBron is now. Yeah. Michael Jordan was the most talented, but Bill Russell was the best player. I mean, I, I, again, you know that that's a that's a conversation that uh, Dan Orlovsky has. Dan, Dan Orlovsky is a guy who's really hit and miss with me. He's really really hit and miss. When he's on, 
That dude's on. He makes a lot of really, really good points. Dan Orlovsky is like the Chris Davis of comment of, of of sports commentator for NFL. He may give you 40 home runs. He may give you 40 straight at bats with strikeouts. Yeah. Um and and this and this one definitely was a strikeout by Dan Orlovsky, but he but he said that Tony uh that uh I keep wanting to say Tony Romo. Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the league. Did you hear, did you hear this comment? I probably did. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback is the best player in the league. But Joe Burrow is the best quarterback. I did hear this. Like that makes no sense. That, just, that that makes that makes absolutely no sense. Joe Burrow may be playing as maybe playing the best, but that doesn't make him the best. Yeah, I don't, it's it's tough to say that when they're both currently playing the same position. Right, they're they're like, bo- they're both currently playing the same position. They got drafted two years apart from each other. Like one is the best player, but one's the best quarterback. Was like they both play the same position. Like I'm saying. Patrick Mahomes is the most talented, but Tom Brady is the best. There's a difference. Tom Brady had some intangibles. Like he had like just such a just a knack for the intelligent side of the game. T- Tom Brady almost had the Kobe Bryant mentality of, I mean, it was that was it's really a Michael J- Michael Jordan mentality of, I don't give a fuck. Like, fuck you, fuck your feelings. I don't like I don't I don't care how you feel. I don't care if you like me. I don't care if you hate me. But by God. We're winning this championship. But Patrick Mahomes can do things that Tom Brady couldn't. I mean, Patrick Mahomes has a stronger arm than Tom Brady does or did. He's a little bit more mobile than Tom Brady was. But Tom Brady knew how to stand in that pocket and pick apart a defense piece by piece, however in the hell he felt like it. Come hell or high water, Tom Brady was winning you that game. He was going to win you that game, which is why I say Tom Brady's the best best player of all time, but you can make an argument that Patrick Mahomes is the most talented quarterback. I disagree with the talented mark. Personally, I disagree with the talent with the, with that talented statement. Who would you say is the most talented? Oh, Lamar Jackson. Eh, you can make an argument for it. I, I mean, love Lamar Jackson, but I mean, uh, if if you if you just look at his total total body of work of what he's able to accomplish on the football field, he can accomplish more than what Patrick Mahomes can. Because you may say, okay, well, Patrick Mahomes is a stronger arm than Lamar Jackson. I've watched him deliver it. I've watched Lamar Jackson deliver it on a 60 yard, 60 yard dart. I've seen, I've watched it happen before. He did it earlier this year to Deshaun Jackson. He did it to, he did it to Deshaun Jackson. I've watched him do it multiple times to Hollywood Brown. Oh, well, his accuracy is just on point. Patrick, Patrick, there's nobody more accurate than Patrick Mahomes. Well, I've watched Lamar Jackson put it into some very, very tight spaces. I've watched. I've I've watched it happen. Patrick Mahomes is a winner. So is Lamar Jackson. What nobody will and and what really sets Lamar Jackson apart from everybody else is how elusive he is. Is how well he can extend the play. Is this it, the way he utilizes his speed? There's there's never been a quarterback that's been more talented than Lamar Jackson. Patrick Mahomes may be doing things better than Lamar Jackson. But I think talent-wise, I don't think anybody's ever held a candle to what Lamar Jackson can do. I mean, you can make an argument for Patrick Mahomes with everything that he's done. Very, <clears throat> very, very true. But you know, if, if you if you look at someone like Lamar Jackson, he does things passing-wise. He does things a little bit lesser than I think Mahomes does. If Pat, if if Lamar Jackson had a scheme similar to Mahomes, if he had weapons similar to Mahomes. 
Yeah, I mean, like we were talking about, uh, you know, like what would happen if Mitch Trubisky had Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes went to the Bears? Yeah. What if Andy Reid got his handles on Lamar Jackson? Yeah. Good night. We have no idea what that future looks like. Mm-hmm. I would be curious to see what that future would look like, though. That would be... If 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 Lamar Jackson played for Andy Reid, or if he played for... Probably Andy Reid is, is, is the best best example, because he did it with Michael Vick. He did it with with Donovan McNabb. Now he's doing it with... He, I mean, he did it with fucking Alex Smith, and now he's doing it, with, obviously, with Patrick Mahomes. If Lamar, if Lamar Jackson went to the Chiefs and was their quarterback instead of Patrick Mahomes, you would crown him the greatest thing <laughs> to ever walk this earth. Dude, it would be insane. Because people, I mean, pe- people, were, people were dropping their jaws the year that Lamar Jackson won MVP. Everything that he was able to do, the way he was passing the ball so efficiently, yeah. the way he was running, I mean, all the, all the wow plays he was doing with his legs. Uh-huh. All the touch, all the touchdown passes, and all, and the such lesser talent that he was surrounded by, people are like, wow, look at what he can do. He's so talented. There's nobody in the league better than Lamar Jackson right now. I don't know where all that energy's went since, but that's beside the point. But if you put him in the offense with, if you give him a Travis Kelsey, Terry Kill, um, who the fuck else do they have? Well, they had Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins when he was still. Relevant. They had Michael Hardman. They had Demarcus Robinson. They had Byron Pringle. Um, they had they had a slew of running backs over there too. Right. The offensive the offensive line was in, was in very good standing. The defense was pretty good. Yeah, I mean they had Tyron Matthew. They had Chris Jones. They had Frank Clark. They had Daniel Sorensen, who was playing very well for him at the time. Right. They uh, had Marcus Peters. They did have Marcus Peters. They had um. Uh, Brashad Breeland. They, exactly. They had, they had all these guys on the team. You know, if you if you put Lamar Jackson in that in that scenario, I mean, people would just be people. People wouldn't be be able to keep their pants off for Lamar Jackson. That was a weird sentence to say. Well, I did, I I, try, I tried to make it as PG as possible. That's fair. All right, we got two we got two more topics to talk about. Let's move on because we're we're probably over two hours at this yeah. point. I thought this was just going to be a fun little one to talk about. What is your favorite current uniform combination and your favorite throwback uniform combination? Are we allowed to include alternates to the current? Yeah, why not? Okay. I'm talking helmet, jersey, pants combo. What do you got? Okay, so so my favorite... My favorite... um throwback uniform no doubt no doubt in my mind the Patriots uniform with the little man on the helmet ah red jerseys white pants yeah clean as can be crisp crisp that white helmet with the red and blue that was perfect okay I don't know why they switched that foo-foo ass silver helmet I have no, I have no, uh, fucking Robert Kraft. No response on that one. Um, now as current, as far as like a current color combination, that's a little bit tougher. Um, I'm torn between two on these, on this one. Okay. Well, let me hear it. For, so for the current one, I'm torn between, I'm a little bit of a homer. Of course, the Ravens only have one helmet, the black helmet, but there's something about that black helmet 
the black jersey and the purple pants. And the purple pants. That was what I was gonna say. Oh god, it looks so good. But I tell you what, dude, there was something about that Chicago Bears orange helmet, orange jersey, and white pants that looked damn good too. That was a clean look. That just looked good. That was a real nasty look. Another look that was really good too was the Panthers with the black helmet and baby blue jersey. Yeah. With the black pants. Yeah, that was tough. It, 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 it just pops so well. I mean, all the new helmets that got unveiled this season were just were really, really, really money. That's the third thing that I need the Ravens to do this offseason. They need to re-sign Lamar Jackson. We need to revamp the wide receiver room with a, a stud wide receiver, too. They need to give me a damn alternate helmet. If you follow at WHolman36 on Twitter, you probably saw that tweet. You will see that tweet. I did tweet that. <laughs> I need it. I need it in my life. Dude, I need, like, a white helmet with, like, purple, like... Uh, feathers. Yeah, purple feathers. That would be sick. That actually would be tough. But see, like, the whole the whole thing is... Like what? Like what history do the Ravens have in order to do something like that? I don't know, but they can make something up. It'd be sick. I mean, yeah, they could, they could, they could make something up. If you look at the Saints, okay, a black helmet works. That works. The Texans, they had that red jersey, so that works. Same thing with the Bears, they have that orange jersey, so that works. Anyone going with a black with a black helmet when you don't already have one, it works out well for you. Sure. Ravens already have the black helmet. Right, so they could go with a purple. Uh... A purple helmet with like white, um, no, I don't want to say like glitter, but like, I don't, I don't know the right word I'm looking for here. What about like a like a white helmet with like purple, like I don't want to say accents, but like just like kind of like uh, like metallic shavings or something, like purple, like that like glisten like purple a little bit. What about like a perp like a like a like a purple helmet with like a gold face mask? See, that'd be tough. That'd be tough, right? Yeah. Like, dude, imagine that with, like, the all-white jerseys. They would never do, they would never do something like that because Riddell already owns copyright to that sort of, like, color combination. Right. Um, but something inspired along those lines will be really, 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 really interesting. If you're curious about what we're kind of envisioning, um, I, have a, I have a helmet that's signed by Ray Lewis, Ray Lewis that I plan on getting autographed by more current and former Ravens players at some point. I don't know when, but um, I had that sitting up here in the podcast room that I got when I was at a uh, expo in Virginia. Right. So I'll say my favorite uh, current uh, uniform combination. Um, I got to go with the bears. Uh, that orange, that orange helmet, orange Jersey, white pants clean to me. What is your, the uh, black yeah. and black with the purple yeah. for the Ravens? Yeah. That was, that was always going to be mine. So my favorite throwback uniform combination. Also, before you, before you continue, Baltimore Ravens, bring back the mustard yellow pants, please. Please don't. No, they were fire. Yeah. They should be set on fire. No, you should be set on fire. <laughs> That's illegal in today's age. Maybe like 2000 years ago when they were still like bleeding witches and shit. Yeah. They were burning people at the cross. Then maybe, um, Favorite steak, not the cross. God damn it. It's the same thing. Um, I already know what you're going to say for throwbacks. Throwbacks, 2010 alternate Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the white helmet with the little Buccaneer on it, and then the cream sickle jersey. God bless is that uniform clean. Why 2010s? Why not say like 1972? Because they had the 2010 alternates. But this is like a throwback it is a throwback 
But you could have said the nineteen seventy two Buccaneers. Everybody would everybody would have known that meant. Probably not. I would have. Well, you're not everybody. You are somebody, but you're not everybody. Well, good save. <laughs> I didn't think that needed to be saved, but <laughs> Well, you're not everybody. Oh. <laughs> okay, well while we're on the subject of this, I'll put you on the spot. What's the ugliest uniform combination you've ever seen? The Bumblebees from the Steelers. Okay. I Uh, hate them. I was about to say, if you say the yellow pants by the Ravens, I will reach across this fucking desk and I will punch you. The Bumblebee jerseys from the Steelers. I hate them. Um, That might be my least favorite of all time. You know what's another good throwback? The Eagles Kelly Greens. Dude, you cannot tell me that Lamar Jackson would not look fire in this. What is Kyle Juszczyk doing? Doesn't matter. You know, who's, you know who started the quarterback of the game for the Ravens? If you can tell me who. If, if, well, that looks like. Is that Kamar Aiken there in the 11? It is. Kyle Juszczyk back there. Mm-hmm. Starting at quarterback with Kamar Aiken and Kyle Juszczyk on the field. Mm hmm. So that was, that was definitely the Joe Flacco era. Huh. That it was. If you can tell me who the starting quarterback that was, I'll be very impressed. I didn't have to look it up. I saw the picture and I and and it jogged my memory. I like I, I don't have to look up who it is. I know who it is. God, who? It was. I mean, it was during the Joe Flacco era, which means Tyrod Taylor was a backup. But I feel like that's too obvious. I'm not sure who it is. This was the year that Flacco tore his ACL. I had a feeling it wasn't Flacco. Okay. Jimmy Clausen. Yeah, I forgot about him. That was the 20th anniversary season, so that was 2018. I was, no, fine. I was fine with forgetting about Jimmy 2016 Clawson. NFL season. 2016 Baltimore Ravens. Do you think you can name me who the starting quarterbacks were for every game? Of the 2016 season? No. I think we had four. No, there's not a chance in the world that I could. Oh, that's disappointing. It wasn't 2016. When the hell was it? Was it 17? We were eight and eight that year, nine and seven, ten and six. When the fuck did we get decimated? Was it the year before? Had to have been. I don't know. I'm very curious now. Five and eleven. Okay, so this is, it had to have been the 2015 NFL season. Let's see. Are you looking it up? Yeah. Good lord. Doing a deep dive to figure out who is the quarterback. Ah, Darren Waller was still on the team. He was. He was on the practice squad. Bastards. Right? Joe Flacco, Matt Schaub, Ryan Mallett, Jimmy Clausen. (laughs) That was who the Ravens sent on the field that year. I don't know. What PFF is giving me here? I looked at the 2015 depth chart. 
This is all over the place. For sure. Quarterback is Joe Flacco. Mm-hmm. Second string is Keith Wenning. Third string's Bryn Renner. Wow. Halfbacks were Bernard Pierce, Lorenzo Taliaferro, and Fitzgerald Toussaint. Fullback. These, these are some names I haven't heard in forever. Fullback was Kyle Juszczyk. Left wide receiver was Kamar Aiken. Second on that list was Jeremy Butler. And third was Aldrick Robinson. Right wide receiver was Steve Smith and then Michael Campanero. Slot wide receiver was Marlon Brown and Jacoby Jones. Tight end was Dennis Pitta, Crockett Gilmore, and Philip Supernall. When was the last time you heard Crockett Gilmore? Only OGs remember those names. Left tackle, Eugene Monroe. Left guard, Kelechi Osemele. Center, Jeremy Zuta. Damn. Right guard was Marshall Yanda. Right tackle was Ricky Wagner. You know one of the ugliest uniforms I've ever seen in my life? What's that? The Jaguars color rush jersey when they first unveiled color rush jerseys. That mustard yellow. Oh, yeah, that was terrible. The whole mustard yellow with the two-tone helmet. That was probably the ugliest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it was pretty bad. You know what was a really close second? The uh, 1934 Philadelphia Eagles throwbacks. The yellow with the baby blue. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that just doesn't really fit their... uh... God, no. Are you kidding me? It just doesn't really fit. In what part, in what realm does that represent the city of Philadelphia? I have no idea. No idea. But one last topic to get to. Um, so I put it on the list here just for you and I to kind of talk about um, and see if it was something you were interested in doing. So the NFL draft is coming up in April. It is April 27th, 28th, and 29th. Um, I was curious if you were interested in starting to do kind of our own player breakdowns and grades for the draft. Really just dive into the draft heavy. Um because we do plan on doing the uh, the draft day special, hopefully, maybe. Um, we got to get a camera for that. We do got to hash that one we out. We do, yeah. Um, and then uh, I was just curious if you were interested in doing that, doing our own player breakdowns, grades, kind of how we feel about certain players, and uh, where we where we grade them within uh, within the realm of the uh, NFL draft. Yeah, um, that's definitely something that that I am interested in doing. Um, I think it would be a lot of fun to break down who we think is the best at each position. Um, I know I have my own opinion on a lot of things. You have your opinion on a lot of things. So, um, yeah, that definitely is something that I am interested in doing. I'd say we definitely, um, definitely get into that. Perfect. I love it. I think it's gonna be a blast. Um, I love watching like highlight reels on certain players. Not just certain players, just all players. I love watching highlight reels, kind of getting a feeling for, um, you know, what these players do best. Uh, we unfortunately don't have like the luxury of like watching like game film, mm-hmm. like uh, you know the dudes from like ESPN, CBS Sports. Like they have like they have the pool, they have the money, they can get all the game film, and they can watch like every rep of every game of every practice. Like they can see all that shit. We can't. We get to watch like YouTube highlights and make a judgment from there. Right. We'll do our best. Of course, I'm gonna I'm gonna come with some with some opinions and some facts. I know you are as well. We're gonna mm-hmm. do our best, but I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. I love diving into the draft. I love looking at the prospects. Um, so I can't wait for that. All season's coming up. Super Bowls not this weekend, but next. All season sneaking up quick. Hopefully, we see a Lamar Jackson deal done soon. Um, 
And if, then, and if then, you follow Lamar Jackson on any of his socials, you've probably been seeing him that he's been posting things. I think it's a good sign. Things of him in Ravens uniform, in Ravens uniforms, yeah, wearing stuff, you know, highlights everything like that. So it's good news coming out of there. Well, my guy, let's get on out of here for the weekend. I know yep. you got stuff to do. I have plenty of shit to do. Yes, you do. Um, so let's get on out of here. Let's have a good weekend, and uh, we'll see you guys on Tuesday. Yep. Thanks, guys. We'll see you later. See ya.